welcome back to Cinema Wellman. I am your host, David. And uh, you're here today for yet another very special episode. And I seem to say that a lot, but I guess I guess they're all special to me. Today's episode is special because, believe it or not, we are celebrating the 50th episode of Cinema Wellman. Hard to believe. Um, for the life of me, I thought the 50th anniversary was the diamond anniversary. I really did. Turns out that's actually the 60th anniversary. The 50th anniversary is the golden anniversary. What you really should be getting today is an episode highlighting gold movies like Goldfinger and Goldmember and Cleopatra Jones and the Casino of Gold and and King Solomon's Mines. I could do that episode right now. Instead, you'll get what I researched, screened, and prepared for. Uh, Hannah always tells me I could do whatever I want with this project, so I'm giving that a shot today. Uh, so here it is. Cinema Wellman's Diamond Anniversary Episode, 10 Episodes Too Early. Uh, there are many popular phrases with the that you're probably familiar with that have the word diamond in them. We have diamond in the rough, if you remember that from Aladdin. Uh, diamonds are a girl's best friend, which I'll say later today. And diamonds are forever, which I'll also say again today, just to name a few. And those are just some common phrases that we have that have diamond in them. Leonardo da Vinci once said that a diamond is just a lump of coal that stuck to its job. Now, I think da Vinci would be happy with us today because we have we have a little mixed bag of cinematic diamonds for you. We have action, comedy, sci-fi, there's a musical, there's even a sports movie in our little cluster of diamonds today. We will begin with a movie from 2006, and it is Blood Diamond. Each film that I'm going to talk about today, I decided to choose a quote to start off the, the little bit about it. So here it is from Blood Diamond. Whenever something of value is found here, the natives die. It happened with ivory, gold, oil, and now diamonds. Unfortunately, this statement is very true about the continent of Africa, the setting of this film. The land and its people have been exploited by Europeans and others for centuries. This 2006 film brought the issue of conflict diamonds into the public eye. The diamond in industry is brutal to its workers, resulting in countless numbers of people being exploited, brutalized, and killed. Many of these diamond movies are fun, but trust me. The first three on this list, though, are anything but breezy. Blood Diamond is not an easy watch, but it's worthwhile because of the performances and a still meaningful story. Leonardo DiCaprio and Jaman Hansu were both nominated for Oscars for their performances. DiCaprio doesn't usually play the heavy, but when he does, he does it well. He's pretty evil in this. He tries to redeem himself at the end, but you can be the judge of whether or not he succeeded. That late redemption game is a tough one in movies. I, I usually don't go for it. Next, we have from 2007, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. The world is an evil place, Charles. Some of us make money off of that, and others get destroyed. Talk about not an easy watch. Before, you know, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is the final film of the late great friend of Cinema Wellman, Sidney Lumet, and it is brutal. This is the story of two brothers, Andy and Hank, neither of whom you can root for in any sense of the word. Philip Seymour Hoffman is Andy, 
a drug-addicted businessman who is stealing from his company. Ethan Hawke is Hank, a divorced loser who's sleeping with his brother's wife. The underappreciated Marissa Tomei. Uh, When both are faced with money issues, Andy cooks up a plan to rob a mom-and-pop jewelry store. The problem is... It's literally Andy and Hank's mom and pop who own the store. If you're thinking, well, this can't go well, you don't know the half of it. Lumet broke this film into sections, one more gut-wrenching than the next. We have the day before the day of the robbery, Hank three days before the robbery, Andy four days before the robbery, Charles day one, one day before the robbery, etc. Philip Seymour Hoffman is terrifying in this, as are his eyebrows. He is, he is so very evil, and yet there's this vulnerability that only he could add to someone who's so depraved. His character's life is going down the drain, and that descent is rapid. Albert Finney is Charles, and he is wonderful as the patriarch of this extremely dysfunctional family. Not a lot of time is spent on his character, but when he's on the screen, his performance is mesmerizing. Carter Burwell's musical score is tremendous and is totally synced up with the mood of the film. The score is reminiscent of Burwell's score for Fargo in the way that it hauntingly looms just under the surface of extremely tense situations on the screen. There is a tremendous scene at Andy's drug dealer's apartment that reminded me of two other movies with similar situations. One is True Romance, where dealer Drexel Spivey is played by the almost unrecognizable Gary Oldman. Spivey is scar-faced and talks as if he's Jamaican. He's terrifying to watch, even when you're watching from the safety of your own home. The other film that I'm reminded of watching this is Boogie Nights, where a totally unhinged, silk-robe-wearing Alfred Molina almost steals the entire movie in a single scene. You'll never hear Night Ranger's sister Christian again without also hearing firecrackers go off. In Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, the unhinged person in the scene in the drug dealer's apartment is the drug user, not the dealer. Hoffman is amazing, which is no surprise. Uh, He was always amazing. Every part he ever played in any movie, I miss him very, very much. If you're in for a dark thriller, I recommend Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Next, from 1981, Thief. I'm the last guy in the world that you want to with, says Frank. Jimmy Kahn. And you don't want to mess around with Jimmy Kahn, that's for sure. I'll promise it'll get much lighter after this one. Michael Mann's study of of a career thief, brilliantly played by James Kahn, was a big influence on me since I was a sophomore at BU when it came out. I was utterly hypnotized by this film. The German techno band Tangerine Dream provides the score, and their music fits so perfectly with this film and its ebbs and flows. I was so impressed by Tangerine Dream that I used their music to score just about every student film I made during that time. Um, This was Mann's first feature, and I've become a big fan. I think he's a talented director who's very adept at, at creating a stylized atmosphere for his characters. Um, the Last of the Mohicans and Heat are two of my favorite man films. Not to mention the Jericho Mile TV movie. I was always a fan of Jimmy Kahn. He he can never quite play a guy who's totally good, 
but you can usually find yourself rooting for him at some point or other. Uh, and that's definitely the case in Thief. I've always loved heist movies and movies with robberies in them. And one of the reasons being I would never in a million years have the guts to pull off these jobs, any of these jobs. The stress and the tension would just be too much for me. The opening 10-minute robbery sequence is virtually silent except for Tangerine Dream score. It wasn't quite Rafifi silent, but it was close. Great use of the overall setting. Uh, Thief will definitely be considered as a possible entry in a future city spotlight if we ever go to Chicago. This is a character-driven action thriller with a wonderful cast. Robert Prosky is excellent as the evil scumbag. As I mentioned while eviscerating songwriter in an earlier episode, Willie Nelson can actually act a bit, and he's certainly fine in this role. There is an excellent diner scene with Tuesday Weld and James Kahn that showcases both the script writing and their talents. Kahn goes total scorched earth before handing out a travel Bickle-esque ass-kicking at the end of this film. Like the burning bar he uses to get into his safe, this one is a slow burn. Well done all around. All right, there's the heavy lifting. It's all done. Let's go to 1993 and the Sandlot, where Ham Porter famously said, and you know it, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> so this is a diamond movie. You see what I did there, right? That's acceptable, isn't it? Um, I told you we were going to do a sports movie. The Sandlot is a marvelous portrayal of the neighborhood life I think I wished I had growing up. I, I loved my childhood. It was pretty much perfect. <laughs> my therapist has confirmed this for me. But for some reason, I always thought I wanted to grow up in a real neighborhood with a bunch of kids that I could play baseball with every day. The Pushman sisters next door were wonderful. Um, that was great, but you know there were four of us total and, and not much of a game going on there. Um, this coming-of-age story has it all, the love of baseball, the need to fit in and be accepted by your peers, the misunderstood neighbor who's, who appears to be mean, um, and the hyperbolically legendary beast of a dog. Uh, if you used to be a kid, if, if you like baseball uh, and you like to smile, you will not be disappointed with the Sandlot. And thank you for Quinn. Uh, I was catching up on I was doing birthday projects, and he had me watch uh, The Sandlot. So thank you for bringing that back. I hadn't seen it in a long time. All right, next from 1953, we have Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Lorelai says, get that ice or no dice. Marilyn Monroe is one of the most iconic figures in American pop culture history. She is known actually all over the world by generation after generation and has lived well beyond her early death. I like her, but I've always been kind of puzzled by this, like the way Elvis puzzles me. Marilyn Monroe, she wasn't the best singer. She wasn't the best actress. She wasn't the prettiest actress. But she was just Marilyn, and she was adorable. Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is a lighthearted musical about Lorelai and Dorothy, two showgirls traveling to Paris and being pursued by scores of admirers. Jane Russell is Marilyn's co-star, and she is one sassy showgirl. Russell is a perfect companion to Monroe as they form a kind of showgirl yin and yang. Uh, if you've ever seen a montage of great movie moments, you've seen a clip of the famous musical number from this film. 
Marilyn Monroe singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend while being surrounded by a swarm of tuxedoed gentlemen. It's musical gold. The pink dress is now so iconic. Madonna copied it in a Material Girl video. And that number is just so much fun. Marilyn is a delight, as is gentlemen prefer blondes. A couple of more quotes. And these were these were telling because Lorelai says these lines in the film, but it to me it sounded like just Marilyn. One is it's a terrible thing to be lonesome up in the middle of a crowd. And the other is, I can be smart when it's important, but most men don't like it. Sounded more like her than her character. Next, we have from 1955, To Catch a Thief. Grace Kelly's character says in this, even in this light, I can tell where your eyes are looking. Coming very soon to Cinema Women is our first ever director's corner. And our first director will be one of our all-time favorites, Alfred Hitchcock. Each director's corner episode will be a bit different depending on the director and their body of work. Hitchcock's will be a top 10 episode. The reason I mention this is because To Catch a Thief will not be on that top 10 list, but it's certainly perfect for our 50th anniversary Diamond episode. I'll save all of the Hitchcock praise for that episode and just concentrate on the film this time. But I will tell you to look for Hitch with the bird lady sitting at the back of the bus. He's in every film, as you know. Uh, partially and beautifully shot in the French countryside, To Catch a Thief is a story of a retired jewel thief who was out to clear his name when robberies fitting his M.O. begin happening again. The classy, elegant jewel thief is played by Cary Grant. You remember Cary Grant. He's known for playing unsophisticated, rustic farmers. Grant's romantic interest in this film is one of Hitchcock's favorites and one of Cinema Wellman's favorites as well, Grace Kelly. The story is compelling enough, but I... I just always seem to lose my concentration when, when Hitchcock fills the screen with, with Grace Kelly. Hmm. I realized during this rescreening that Hitch uses the type of car chase that you see in a thriller as opposed to an action film. Kelly and Grant are being pursued by bad guys on a winding mount, mountainous road. Green screens are used for the close-ups of the pair in the car, but the chase, shot via helicopter, along that beautiful ribbon-like road is spectacular. It doesn't have to be fast to be a quality chase sequence. More Hitchcock to come very soon. Next on our list is from 1964. And I've spoken about it before. And it's Dogora. Diamonds are Dogora's best friend. That's actually a line in this film. (laughs) Only the Japanese could combine a gangster-themed diamond movie with kaiju and honeybees. Nothing is too far-fetched, and I love that, and they usually just hit it out of the park. This is a treat from start to finish. IMDb describes the fun as follows. An amorphous cellular life form descends from the atmosphere to consume carbon in the form of diamonds. You got it. That diamond-eating space monster movie you've been asking for actually exists. Thank you, friend of Cinema Wellman, Ishiro Honda. Uh, This certainly is as silly as it sounds, but if you're a fan of kaiju movies, put this on your list. The soundtrack for Dagora reminded me of the OG Gojira soundtrack. Um, 
But I think that that score is just so great, and it's so connected to me with with the kaiju genre that almost every soundtrack sounds like it. Or maybe they just steal it. Next from 1963 is the Pink Panther. There are some very strange things going on here, says Inspector Jacques Clouseau. Uh, for this episode, I chose to rewatch the original Pink Panther movie from 1963. I really could have substituted any of the Pink Panther movies starring Peter Sellers, as far as this project was concerned. They're all diamond movies, after all. I haven't seen the reboots with Steve Martin as Inspector Clouseau, so I can't vouch for those. But in these films, and this film, and in the, in the whole Pink Panther series with Sellers, Sellers is his usual brilliant self. His facial expressions and physical comedy is what makes this series so enjoyable. I'm not a David Niven fan, and this movie does not feature Clouseau's manservant Cato, and those things, those scenes are gold, uh, but this one still hits the mark. The iconic Henry Mancini score is such a treat no matter how many times you've heard it. Those first few notes on the sax always bring a smile to my face. By the way, the diamond in this movie is the Pink Panther. That's the name of the diamond. Next, from 1972, we have the Hot Rock. You take failure too hard. I don't mind it so much anymore. This is one of the characters in this film, and this is a fantastic film. And I realize The Hot Rock was part of Season 1, Episode 19, The 70s Show, Part 1, but I just rescreened it for the first time in a long time, and I wanted to talk about it. Robert Redford, George Siegel, Paul Sand, and Rob Liebman are the gang of four that are out to snatch a priceless African diamond. There's a helicopter scene that takes us on a tour over New York City. It's fun. It's interesting, and it's ultimately sad when you see the World Trade Center still under construction in these shots. The city looks great in this movie. The unique thing about this diamond film is that the same diamond is stolen over and over and over. Robbery number one, museum. We need more museum robbery movies. Where's the Gardner Museum robbery movie? Where is that? Robbery number two, police evidence room. Robbery number three, not really a robbery, but there's a prison break in this movie. Right in the middle of this, there's a prison break. And robbery number four, the bank. The same diamond now needs to be stolen from a safety deposit box in a bank. Do that, Danny Ocean. Now, you've heard me say this before, but the cast in this is marvelous. Paul Sand was such an underrated comedic actor. His presence in some of these scenes had me laughing without him even saying a word. I've always loved George Siegel. And that goes way back to the days when I first got HBO and watched him in The Blackbird about 10,000 times. My mom loved this movie, uh, but I think she just loved Robert Redford, don't we all? And that leaves us with the diamond with the most carrots. And it just has to be from 1971. Diamonds are forever. Tiffany, my dear, we're showing a bit more cheek than usual, aren't we? And Blofeld, the villain, and says this in Diamonds Are Forever. And you know what? If I want a Bond villain, I want him to be like Blofeld, just totally over the top. Uh, several years ago, I created a project for myself that has since been shared with Dakota and John and his daughter, Jessica. I created a James Bond rubric 
and watched every single 007 movie to determine which one was my favorite. Now, that top 10 is certainly going to be a future episode, along with the bottom five. Um, But for now, let's just talk about Diamonds Are Forever. Two of the categories in that rubric are Bond Girl and Henchman. In Diamonds Are Forever, we have Jill St. John as Tiffany Case. And in Diamonds Are Forever, we have Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd. Bond Girl and Henchman, both five out of five on that rubric. Very few reach the highest rung on the bong Bond <laughs> rubric ladder. Freudian slip there. I kind of prefer my Bond on the lighter side. Bond drinking, carousing, committing murder in the name of the Queen, all of that light fare. That's one of the reasons I love Diamonds Are Forever. All those boxes are checked. And Cinema Wellman's love for Jill St. John is no secret. Thank you, Miss Tiffany Case. There's a fantastic chase sequence through old Las Vegas. There's Dame Shirley Bassey belting out the theme song. There's Sausage King Jimmy Dean as a Howard Hughes type. There's Blowfield and his cat. There's a diamond-encrusted satellite. It's all here in the top diamond film on today's list. And that's it. Thank you for joining us for our 50th episode celebration here at Cinema Wellman. Special thanks to Quinn and IT and Andy in our musical department and everyone who consumes Cinema Wellman. Whether you read the blog, watch us on YouTube, or listen on Spotify, we certainly appreciate you spending some of your entertainment content time with us. Thanks for being here for our first 50 episodes, and we hope you're here for for the next 50. Join us right here next week when we'll take you on a tour of the Cinema Wellman set. I'll actually explain all the stuff that's behind me every episode, and I'll even tell the story of this chair. But until then, take care.